Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Bowdis. On today's show, we brought on a special guest, Mark Myers. Mark is the founder and CEO of Peak Profit Solutions. Mark helps individuals reduce or eliminate taxes without replacing their CPA or investment advisor. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you inviting me on. So I'm excited to talk about today's topic. I don't think you'll find too many people who aren't interested in ways that they can reduce their taxes. Definitely looking forward to it. But before we get into talking about that, maybe you can give us some uh, of your background, You know, maybe how you came to start Peak Profit Solutions. I don't know. I think you had some background in the Marine Corps as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the Marine Corps gave me some discipline. Which was much needed, uh, you know. As a feisty uh, 19-year-old, uh, going into the Marine Corps is probably one of the best things I can do, above and beyond my relationship with with God. So that's obviously first. But you know, my background is interesting. I always like to share this because it's it's not a traditional way to get to what I'm doing. I went to the University of Florida, got my undergraduate in exercise physiology, got my master's in sports management. So people always ask, well, how are you in tax efficiency? How are you a tax specialist? Well, it's interesting. I, I, my first 15 years of career, I ran very successful health clubs in New York and Los Angeles for a pretty prominent fitness club brand. And in that process, I opened numerous clubs and I ultimately became a business operator. So I really knew how to drive revenue, reduce expenses, increase EBITDA margins. I really understood how to operate a successful business and open them and reduplicate them. So I learned the uh, the language of business ownership through that process. And I realized that you know working in that arena, although being fun, I, I really more enjoyed the process, not the fitness. I mean, obviously, fitness is life. But at the end of the day, I knew that I could uh, ultimately do better financially Everybody's looking to do, you know, kind of ex- expand their world, uh, working with business owners. And I decided to work with business owners and do more advanced planning and work in that tax savings niche. And literally for the past seven or eight years, because I started this in the 2007, the past seven or eight years, I've really focused in on this blue ocean and where there's there's a need, I think, between the advisor, whether it be a wealth advisor, an insurance advisor, or their tax advisor specific to their accountant or their enrolled agent, there's a need that's one, just a a separate layer that's needed for a lot of small to medium-sized business owners and high-income earning W-2 that they don't have. Uh, So I really fill that that layer and essentially uh, bring in some additional elements of planning that don't disrupt what they're currently doing. They add to what they're doing. We don't replace the CPA. We don't replace the advisor. We just add money for the advisor to work with. We, we create new pathways for the CPA to work with to get that person their income in a more tax efficient way. So it's been a lot of fun. And just on that, has that ever been a challenge where 
maybe a CPA or even a wealth advisor thought that you were stepping on their toes or that you were trying to replace them with some of the strategies. And I know the way you're presenting it is it's it's a value added service on top of what they're doing. But I, I would think maybe there's some CPAs or other advisors out there that could kind of get nervous about you coming in. Mark, it's a great question. That's a really perfect question. And I would say that, you know, and this is 80% of my business comes from referrals. 80% of that business comes from referral from wealth advisors and insurance producers. So with that being said, I, you know, I guess I'll speak to your question. And wealth advisors, because of the way that we drive our solutions, there is really no downside. There's only upside. It's only we're going to find more opportunity or more money that wasn't currently there. It is money that can be redirected into wealth acceleration or wealth preservation solutions and products that the wealth advisor offers, not us. We're not going to compete. We're not telling them to do anything that the wealth advisor is telling them. We're not telling them to do any defined benefits plans or deferred compensation. It literally is things are tax specific things that are in the 70,000 pages of code that, you know, you have to be very specialized to integrate. So really the wealth advisors love us. The CPAs put their shield up first and some of them put their, bring their sword out second because they're like, wait a minute, you know, this is my client of 15 years. You're going to come in and tell, <laughs> tell them that I'm doing a bad job. And that's not what we do. You know, Mark, so we, I just want to let you know what the CPAs, I'd say three out of 10 love what we do. And they're like, we have, I've been waiting for someone like you or a group like you to truly integrate into my current client base. Cause I have a dozen clients or X number of clients that really need that extra layer of support. And now I've found it. The other or six or seven out of 10 might just continue to be, well, if I have never heard about it, then I'm not sure. So sure. I, I want to open the door to my client or give the green light to my client. So that's kind of how it works on this. Yeah. What does an engagement look like? Do you, I guess you'd have to come in and kind of get a feel for what the, the person or company or something is currently doing. And then it's almost like a consultation where you're doing an analysis, figuring out what they're doing, what, what options do they have to maybe improve? 100% right. I mean, essentially, I gave myself uh, like my own little title, you know, a tax savings architect. So essentially, when I come in, I'm, I'm acting as a tax savings architect, and I just need to review your current structure and see how we can reinforce, how we can create more efficiency. So really, it's the initial process is Q&A. I mean, it can literally take 10, 15 minutes. The secondary process is analysis, maybe just some financials, maybe some previous tax return just to really look at how they're currently structured and how they're currently flowing income. to them. And then the third part is really just presentation of additional layers that they could integrate in. So it's really a pretty simple process. Uh, and it really revolves around understanding their current situation, whether they're a business owner or obviously high income earning W-2 are the hardest to work with because they don't have as many solutions. But, you know, we do have some pretty unique solutions for them as well. So it really just depends on those variables. And are your engagements kind of a, like a one-time engagement or are you working with clients continuously over multiple years? Really depends on the solution that is appropriate. So it can be a multi-year relationship or it could be, let's just structure this right for you the one time. And then of course, of course show you how it's almost like we're going to build the bicycle. We're going to show you how to ride the bicycle and then you're going to continue to ride the bicycle. That could be some of the solutions. Some of the solutions require some sort of a partnership ongoing. But just note, none of them uh, replace wealth advisory. None of them replace tax preparation, tax filing, bookkeeping. 
So it really is just that additional layer that fits when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. And I would imagine from, from our listeners, one of the things that they're probably thinking about is, and you mentioned, you know, not replacing this person or that person, but the other thing is, oh, this person has some kind of tax strategies. I'm going to get audited and uh, there's going to be a problem. I guess, how would you answer that? How do you kind of protect against that happening? Sure. So nothing that we do essentially, or nothing that I would recommend is going to flag an audit. The way we structure our solutions generally are not going to put any additional flags. We're not doing any listed transactions. We're not doing anything that provides scrutiny or the IRS is scrutinizing. Uh, we're doing things that are just basically application of the code in a creative and engineered way that creates results. And essentially, uh, a judge alerted hand says it better than anyone. He's a second circuit uh, court of appeals judge that you know is no longer living, but he has a lot of great quotes because he was in this world. He says, uh, in America, there's two tax systems. One for the informed, one for the uninformed. Both are legal and you have no obligation to pay a penny more than what your legal obligation is. So we're basically navigating that legal obligation. So to make the question hopefully a little bit more precise or the answer more precise, we do not trigger audits. If you do get audited, our solutions are tailored in a way that essentially you present the information, you present the codes that apply and you're good. Every single one of my relationships, because I work through a number of different specialists, I'm almost like a broker of sorts. They have successfully audited or defended any audits. And it's not like they were audited because of what they were doing. They were just audited. And the IRS might say, hey, look, show me, tell me a little bit about this. Right. Let's go into a couple of examples, solutions that you may have. Sure. Uh, let's start with the hard stuff. Let's start with uh, that W-2 employee that might be an executive or just a high income earning. They, they have a lot of uh, bonus income. They have a lot of commissionable income, but they're still considered W-2. So there's a couple of routes we generally go with them, which is an additional layers above and beyond, you know, how much they can defer out and put into 401ks or those types of things. So one would be, and I always ask this question, did you know that you could actually make the world a greener place? and reduce your taxes at the same time? So that's the first question I ask. And they're like, well, that's interesting. What is, how does that work? So uh, we have programs and, and groups. I have a, you know, a really powerful group that I work with that essentially can help a W-2 earner redirect their tax bill and instead acquire solar assets. And by doing so, they get their investment tax credit, which the federal government wants to provide because they want people basically increasing the solar grid. And the way that we structure it is more of a, the person is going to participate in an active business. So they will have a new business, but it's, it's only a hundred, hundred hour requirement per year. It's not hard to hit. And we help them hit that requirement through a lot of ways. So essentially with a hundred hours of active requirement, they can shift. They have a $150,000 tax bill. They could say, well, instead of sending that tax, that tax payment to the federal and state government, I'm going to send that same $150,000 to my business that I'm structuring, that I'm getting help to structure, that is going to acquire solar. And through the depreciation, the bonus depreciation that you get in the acquisition of a solar via the business and the tax credit, we can zero out that tax. So literally dollar for dollar. So if they were going to send $125,000 to the IRS, they could instead fund their solar business with $125,000 and acquire the solar asset. And now it's, they've zeroed it out. So the question always becomes, well, why would I want to do that? I mean, uh, what's my benefit? Well, your benefit is that you just purchased 30 years of, of very low risk cash flow. 
you just purchase the power purchase agreement. The person that is using that solar is going to be paying you for the energy as opposed to the power grid, which is going to be 30 or 40 percent more. So you just basically locked in 30 years of payments from this solar panel project that you own. And we do it on commercial properties like churches and schools, et cetera, multifamily. We're not doing it on residential. Yeah, I guess basically that can be taken advantage of by anyone, whether they're a W-2 or business owner or paid on a 1099 or anything like, like that, correct? 100%. So we, this, the, the, the thought process is, why don't you let the IRS and the federal government fund your long-term cash flow? Right. Because essentially it's money that you wouldn't have had. You have you would have sent it away and never seen it again, other other than your schools and your roads, et cetera. But if you wanted to shift, you don't have to do all of it. But if you wanted to shift some of it and say, hey, I do want to launch a solar company. I do want and I'm okay with participating 100 hours a year, a couple hours a week. Maybe it's their wife. Right. Maybe it's their spouse that does it. Well, essentially, those dollars come back to you over the course of the power purchase agreement, uh, generally up to two times the amount. So if it's a $150,000 acquisition, you could get up to $300,000 in cash flow over that 25, 30-year period of time. And is like that tax bill that they're trying to, to reduce or eliminate, that $150,000, to do that, do they need the equivalent $150,000 in capital to do that, or do they need more? Dollar for dollar. So it's really, so if you think about, a lot of times people think about oil and gas and you know the deduction, the, the deduction they get, well, they get a dollar deduction for every dollar they spend in oil and gas, which reduces their tax bill. But this is a dollar for dollar parity on every dollar they spend to acquire solar through this structure is a full dollar that they don't have to send to the IRS. So there's a lot of leverage there. Uh, so if they have $150,000, literally, that's their federal and state tax bill that they're sending to the IRS, they could instead redirect that to their own solar business that we would help them structure. And essentially, it would bifurcate their need to send 150 to the federal and state. And then, of course, they would just start picking up cash flow from that. And is that something they can do once or is that something they can do every year? Most of our clients do it every year because they're in positions that they're going to be there for five, 10 years. We've had clients that are, you know, on their seventh year, which it, cause it's great because it doesn't really add up. If you think about $150,000, you're going to get 275 back, but over 30 years. Okay, it's not too special. You're looking at a few thousand dollars a year in cash flow. But you have to remember that cash flow is coming from dollars that you would have never even had. So we call it an infinite return. But when you do that two and three and four and five years in a row, you have this, this escalator approach. Instead of just $5,000 per year over that period of time, you get now at year five, you're at you know $25,000 per year, right? And this is all from dollars that you would have never seen before. So it really starts adding up if you do it year over year over year. And of course, it's only available while the uh, the tax credit is pretty sweet. Right now, it's still 26%. And so long as it stays in the 20s, we can keep this efficiency going. But once it starts dropping down, but this doesn't affect someone long term. As long as you acquire the solar when the tax credit is where it is, you're good because you get all of your benefit in the first year. So that's one way. That's a, But the, the other way for W-2, I'll give you a, this is a fun one. Okay. Charitable deductions or charitable giving made profitable. You know, even high income earners in New Jersey, in New York, in California, between their state and their federal, they might be paying 45 to 50 percent of their profit to the IRS. Well, if you give a dollar to your favorite charitable organization, you save 50 cents in Calito in California at the highest tax brackets, but you still spent a dollar to save 50 cents. Obviously, you're very charitable. It's great that you got to give a whole dollar to that charity that you love and you basically didn't really need to give them a whole dollar. 
because you got 50 cents back from the IRS. So let's take this another another step. Well, what if you could essentially give a dollar to a qualified charitable organization, but get a $4 deduction? Now that makes a lot of sense. So now if you're in California, New Jersey, and you're basically paying a dollar, or you have a $100,000 acquisition, you're getting a $400,000 deduction. If you're at the highest tax brackets, you're going to have a $200,000 tax savings. So who wouldn't pay $100,000 for a $200,000 tax savings, 100% ROI, literally in a matter of days. So you can, that's the other, uh, other W-2 approach that we take is these charitable contributions that we can actually make profitable for them. Okay. Yeah, definitely appealing. What do you got on the business owner side? So business owners becomes a lot more, there's a lot more opportunity, right? Because business owners can control the way they pay this. So we really could, uh, I don't want to bore you with everything we've got there, but I uh, will say there's some fun solutions that are kind of low hanging fruit. So the low hanging fruit solutions are, there's about 20 different tax-free fringe benefits. They've been in the code for years. We're talking 40, 50, 60 years um, there's 70,000 pages of code, right? So you have to know them and then, of course, know them and how to apply them. So the tax-free fringe benefits, we do analysis work with there. And most of the time we can pick up anywhere between, I'd say, $60,000 to as high as $150,000 in deductions that they're not currently using, right? They're missing, but they also don't cost them anything, which is very unique. So if you have a deduction that actually there's no expense attached because of the way the tax code reads, well, then you actually have significant tax savings. So I'll give you an example. There is a way for business owners to create policies in their business or a business that we would create for them because they need to be structured correctly, in which if they work outside of business hours, they have a stipend that they can pay themselves that's not taxable. But the, there's nowhere in the code that that stipend says that you have to show that you had an expense or a receipt. You just have to log that you work outside of these regular business hours and keep it in and apply it to the policy, which applies to the tax code. So that's one of the 20 that we accrue. And that could be 15 to $20,000 per year. That essentially is a stipend that's getting moved from their business and themselves that has no taxable consequence, but it also had no expense. So if you're at a 50% tax bracket and you can move $20,000 to yourself with no expense and no tax, you just save $10,000. And we just add, you know, add those up. If we can get those to 75, 100, and $125,000. Now you're looking at, at the lowest tax brackets, $20,000 a year in tax savings. But when you work up the line and you're at that 37% federal and maybe the 8% state, you're looking at $50,000 of tax savings, which is completely liquid. And this is where advisors love us because we just gave the owner that they work with the dollars that they were looking for to fund their kids' college education or catch up with a retirement. And that's just a low-hanging fruit example. We have some more sophisticated things that we can do as well, but that's a fun one. Right. Now, um, you know, we looked last year, there was this tax proposal that was out there. It got shelved. It's probably going to come out again. Anything in there that's changing that would be of interest to you and, and kind of how you work with, with some of the clients you work with? You know, everything that, uh, that we see in the upcoming tax bill actually create more of a reason for people to want to talk to us, particularly when you're shifting that capital gains tax, as they've discussed, from the base rate now to potentially as high as the regular income. So that is a huge reason, if that actually goes into place, uh, a huge reason to really structure your sales appropriately prior so you can significantly reduce that long-term capital gains tax. 
On the other note, there's nothing really that's being changed on the active income side that really adjusts or, or affects what we do. Everything that we have that we apply is rooted in tax law. You know, if you're doing it correctly, it's just like anything else. The federal government has to follow the same rules that we do. The IRS has to follow the same rules that we do. We all have the same playbook. There's a reason why Clemson and Alabama win every year. They have the same set of rules as every other college coach, but in their playbook, they actually, you know, they can execute that playbook a lot better. So essentially, that's what we're doing is taking that set of rules, that 70,000 pages of tax code and executing it at the highest levels. Going back to, you know, how you engage and how you work with people. And, and you know, we, you said you're tax savings architect and, you know, you go through someone's situation, you come up with, is it like a list of just recommendations? And then you kind of hand it over and say, all right, take it, leave it, do it, don't do it. Or do you actually help implement some, some of those maybe with whether it's a CPA or an attorney or a wealth, wealth advisor or someone else that they're, that they're using or working with? You know, in most cases, there is an implementation process. So we're not going to just give you a good idea and throw a tax code at you and say, have fun. And a lot of it, there does need to be some very specific implementation on the front side and maybe some support. This is where we go into build the bike, teach you how to ride it and you're off or build the car. And we're essentially always helping you operate that car. With that being said, we do have full implementation and almost every solution we bring forth. And of course, the process is to identify all the different opportunities, present those opportunities along with their economic value, right? Okay, here's the economic value of putting this and this and this together with what you currently have. This is the additional amount of money you're going to keep, right? Because it's not what you earn, it's what you keep. So you'll be keeping this much more. And the great news is it's all evergreen. You know, you don't have to try to figure something out new next year. It's like, oh, do you need to buy some capital equipment? You know, what kind, of, what kind of things can you buy before the end of the year? No, we're never doing that. We're saying, once you put these new pathways in place or these new structures, every single year you'll be able to use them. So it's nice in that they're evergreen in that way, so long as the tax code doesn't change. When the tax code changes, we, uh, we do what all the big, big companies do out there. We, we use our knowledge of tax law and we look for another pathway. So what's uh what what's next? Is it I guess always coming up with ways or new ways of trying to figure out different ways to save with regards to taxes? Absolutely. And Mark, just to give you some insight of, of what I do, kind of week in, week out, and month in and month out, is I work with the relationships that I currently have. I currently have over a dozen advanced tax planning groups that I work with, and each one does something very specific, and it would be very difficult to duplicate. So it's like a business in itself, just to execute that one tax solution is a business in itself. So I've basically acquired relationships with a number of different groups that do things very well. And then I put them together as an architect would to say, these are, out of all the things you can do, these are the three that really synergize and really integrate well with you. So that's really the approach. We, we kind of integrate in those different solutions. And then, of course, we help them fully implement and then we support when and if needed long term. And is there any specific business size or, you know, income that someone's earning that some of these things make sense or, you know, don't make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So let's think about the low hanging fruit, like the 20 different uh, tax fringe, tax free fringe benefits. That starts making sense when they're paying north of, say, 30 or $40,000 per year in taxes. So when they're writing a, a check to the IRS, uh, the feds for, 30 and they're writing a check to the state if they have a state income tax for another five or 10. Once they start hitting that 30 or 40 and they're a business owner, 
it makes sense for us to take a look at those tax-free fringe benefits because that's when it makes sense for us to do the work to put it together and and charge a fee that ultimately you know makes sense and of course on the other side it makes it's appetizing for the business owner like wow I'm actually going to keep an extra fifteen thousand dollars a year you know I'm cutting my forty thousand dollar bill to twenty thousand the other side on the W two earnings side we really need to see them paying north of $125,000 in tax before those solutions start to really make sense based on how much sol- how much solar you need to acquire, right, to essentially create a business. Or uh, if you're doing charitable uh, giving made profitable, there's AGI limits. So you have to have a certain amount of AGI and you 30% of that AGI is the, is the maximum deduction. So if you don't have at least, say, $600,000 of adjusted gross income, you can't use the charitable deduction strategy because of the limit on the AGI. So those are, I'd say, $125,000 or more in taxes out the door as a W-2 earner or a $600,000 AGI or more to get both of those solutions. On the business owner side, as long as they're writing a check for, say, $35,000 or more of personal income tax, we can at least look at the low-hanging fruit. But hey, a lot of our clients are writing seven-figure checks. Well, they were writing seven-figure checks. And when they're writing seven-figure checks, we have a lot more solutions that can become available for them because now we start integrating in what the larger companies do. We just scaled it down and helped that small to medium-sized business implement what they can never do, what they can never implement on their own, but it's available for them to implement if they knew. Uh, and, on the, and on the transaction side, so let's think about somebody selling an appreciated asset. We're usually looking at, we need to see at least a half a million dollars worth of taxable profit. So if they're looking at paying tax on, say, a half a million dollars or more uh, on long-term cap gains, that's what it makes sense for us to start integrating the solutions when you look at the tax savings and the cost and, you know, the maintenance. Great. We're just about out of time. Mark, I want to thank you for being on the show. You gave some great insight into taxes and ways to potentially reduce them. How best can someone reach out to you, find out more about what Peak Profit Solutions does? Absolutely. If they just go to my website, peakprofitsolutions.com, they're going to see a little bit about me. There's some ability to get some case studies. so They can click on a couple of links and request some case studies so they can see a little bit behind the, the scenes. And of course, I always offer you know 20-minute consultations that are completely free of charge. And within that 20 minutes, literally, they don't have to come prepared. They just need to come ready to talk. Within that 20-minute time frame, I can usually identify all the different pathways and give them an estimate of what they're, how much more they could keep every year if they were to implement some of the solutions. And that's when we get to work when they're like, hey, sounds great. We'd love to explore further. We go to work. Great. We'll link to all that in the show notes. So thanks again. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.